Welcome to the Beyond 3D podcast, where we explore all things 3D and the important role that 3D data plays throughout the manufacturing process, driving decisions throughout a product's life cycle. Here, we talk with industry analysts, business owners, developers, and industry influencers, and hear real stories that you can relate to and learn from, and know which trends and technologies apply to your business. So join us as we go Beyond 3D. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Beyond 3D podcast. We are here today with two very special guests. We have Igor Zinman, president of AMC Bridge, and Boris Shu, who is executive vice president of AMC Bridge. Welcome, Igor and Boris. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Thanks. Hello. Thanks for joining us. And we also have Dave Opsal, vice president of corporate development for TechSoft 3D. Hey, Dave. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> good. <laughs> good, good. So, Igor and Boris, we're really excited to have you. You're our first um, guest to talk about services specifically. And so, just so that our reader, our, our listeners, <laughs> I always say readers, our listeners uh, know who AMC Bridge is if they haven't heard of you already, tell us a little bit about AMC Bridge and how you guys became really one of the largest service companies in the world. Well, um, <laughs> we are very, very flattered, but we definitely not a biggest service company in general. But in our specific niche where we operate and we're servicing engineering software needs of our customers, we're definitely one of the key players. There's always there are big companies in uh, India and around the world who are also doing uh, engineering software development, but among the people who specialize in this area, we probably the biggest. Yes, it's true. This is this is by the way Igor speaking. <laughs> and uh, to tell the truth, it's it happened a little bit by accident. Maybe because of uh, Boris and mine personal history, we started our career in the United States. We both coming from the former Soviet Union, and early nineties started our career in uh, career in the United States working for Parametric Technology Corporations, one of the pioneers of the 3D solid modeling and parametric design. And that in turn kind of defined our future path when we when we started this service company through our connections and our previous experience. Uh, we concentrated on engineering software and that's how it kind of went for for the last 15 years, we grew over uh, organically and now running about 300 plus development organization strictly specializing in engineering software. Uh, a service and engineering community, both ISVs as well as end users for their software development mm-hmm. needs. And how has the need for services and technical development changed over the years? I mean. 15 years, it's a good run. It's not you yes. know, a, a huge stretch of time, but technology has advanced and the industry has advanced so rapidly, even in the last five years. How have things changed for you and your customers? Oh yeah, it's dramatically changed. I would say the 15 years seems to be uh, like a uh, thousand years in technology mm-hmm. terms. Right, right. When we, <laughs> when we started, uh, the engineering software was 
equals to basically equals to CAD software, and that in turn equals to the individual workstation, not even connected to anything but printer. And since then, technology stack expanded dramatically. The engineering software coverage, so to speak, also expanded dramatically from traditional, so to speak, uh, 3D visualization or and design to data management, to interoperability, to uh, basically embedded software in manufacturing, to manufacturing, manufacturing driving, uh, manufacturing management software, and so on and so forth. So uh, first and foremost, uh, technology stack is completely changed. As I mentioned, it mm-hmm. used to be just a, just a workstation. Nowadays, it's every every possible technology from embedded to still workstations, but mostly connected to cloud uh, and web technology, to mobile technology, artificial mm-hmm. intelligence, pretty much any technology that you can find in a modern landscape, you can find in engineering. Uh, among other trends, I would say dramatic expansion of requirements for interoperability integrations. and frankly expanded uh, application of engineering software from original design to smart cars, uh, <laughs> smart thermostats, and uh, latest <laughs> internet of things that basically everybody is talking about right now. Right, right. There is also interesting, interesting thing that I'm sort of in a, in a historical view. Um, in early days, it appears that the um, industry was uh, uh, driven by a large companies that uh, tend to develop their own software for their own needs. Almost uh, every large uh, manufacturing enterprise had their own CAD department that they developed their own uh, CAD solution. Then the um, independent software vendors appeared who uh, took over the development of specialized solutions. And uh, now um, enterprises license or purchase uh, uh, the high-end software um, applications. And what seems to be happening now, at least my my view, is um, now the emergence of the uh, component providers seems to be um, taking a spotlight. the, the companies who specialize in particular technological expertise offer component technologies to build solution, like from Lego pieces. It's, it started in, in modeling, and um, recently there is, we've heard quite a big um, push and, and a lot of conversations on simulation type of components. Um, so I guess that's that's another evolution of how software um, is uh, is developed is is also big take an impact on, on uh, type of services uh, that uh, we can offer to the developing mm-hmm. user communities. And Dave, it sounds like this is kind of where TechSoft comes in, also, right? Is to fill some of these gaps. I'm wondering also if if the how this is or if this is a result of, because the technology is evolving so so rapidly, the technical development skills uh, of people and the need for those skills, and is there a gap there? And so that's why you you now have these like component technologies filling the gap or 
other things. Can you comment on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think one of the the changes that is uh, affecting AMC Bridge or providing those opportunities are the same things that we see within uh, the ISV community, and you've also seen in the end user community. Mm-hmm. And that is that the, uh, the the just the baseline technologies. And you know, Igor was talking a little bit about functionally where you know some of those changes have occurred. But you know, if you stop and think about just how much has changed in the last 15 years, if you were writing a graphics application, you used to have to know something about OpenGL and maybe a computing uh, a language and a compiler. Today, you literally have dozens of technologies, and you know. Companies are finding it next to impossible to to keep up with that kind of complexity. And so there's an overhead cost in training and keeping skills development. And in certain areas like web technology, uh, it's difficult to hang on to people once you get them trained just because of the demand out there for that. So, you know, for us, you know, the components that we build uh, take a lot of the difficult work in certain key areas, but there still needs to be someone familiar with those technologies that can bind them together into a solution for the customer. And so, you know, that's that's where a relationship like the one that we share with AMC Bridge is extremely valuable for for our partners mm-hmm. who license those components. And do you do you have any examples of customers that? are addressing these challenges in a, in a successful way, seeing the need that they have and that they either don't have the in-house technical capability, so they know that they need to work with, you know, AMC Bridge or TechSoft or another ISV, mm-hmm. but then even managing all of that, how, have, do you have a, an example that you can cite that maybe our listeners sure. can follow? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's one that I I think uh, Igor and Boris would agree with me is probably, you know, a, a lighthouse example for us. And that is uh, probably the fastest growing product lifecycle management software company in the world right now is a company called Eris. Uh, and they uh, have a solution that is used by medium sized companies to the largest enterprises like Airbus. And most of their development, I believe, is done by AMC Bridge for exactly the reasons that we've been talking about. So it's it's definitely something we're seeing more of. But yeah, that's that's probably. I mean, Igor, would you would you agree? Yeah, that's probably a good example. Yes, it is a good example, exactly by the reasons we talked about. Because Aris has the the core expertise in uh, project lifecycle management software as a but at the same time, this discipline requires modern collaboration tool and modern visualization tool, which they don't have any experience with. And that's yep. where they used uh, TechSoft components for the basic visualization and AMC Bridge as a uh, competent uh, partner to build it all together. So that's a perfect example yeah. where the company concentrate on their core business while involving experts in the field when they need to branch into the areas where they don't have expertise. And they save time and money, and uh, the time is probably the most important thing. Yeah. And so Ares is a pretty large company, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there are going to be some some listeners on here that will say, that's great for for a company like Ares, but I'm a small guy. How do I tackle the same problem if I don't have the same budget, right? So what what would be your advice for some of the smaller guys? Are you directing that to me? Uh, or or okay. Igor and Boris? Yeah, whoever. Well, well like the size of the that. budget, <laughs> yeah, the size of the budget is uh, definitely <laughs> important, but to a degree. I mean, if, if 
somebody is trying to do it on 500 bucks is probably impossible but uh different size of the project require different uh, level of efforts but at the same time we have example of manufacturers who are building their online ordering systems uh where uploading file uploading cut files could be evaluated automatically quote produced and uh manufacturing ordering could be simplified and expanded dramatically and uh, as manufacturing companies they don't have expertise in building such system so mm-hmm. you could draw ROI on speeding up the ordering process and uh increasing the volume through this system and justify the expense you need to hire qualified resources to build you such a system and you not necessarily have to be a ISV itself uh kind of yourself I, so I, yeah sorry Dave. go ahead no, no, I just, I was, I was going to agree emphatically. I think that, you know, that's uh, a big part of the value that we can provide is helping people understand, you know, how, what they might think is unaffordable is actually something they can easily afford to do. But overall, you also don't have to be a large company. I mean, I think we have uh, between us examples of a couple of companies. I'm thinking of one down in the barrier right now that's actually just a relatively small startup. And in some cases, it's even more of a dramatic return for them because there would be almost no way for them to build a solution without our help. You know, it's a question right. of not, you know, is it cheaper? It's can you even do it? So right. I think there's merit in both. The thing I was, I was going to add is that uh, one thing is component allows to some extent uh, reduce the startup cost since you're using uh, the ready to use technology. And also the planning of the um, solution and, and the implementation should probably be taken in, in stages anyway. So defining defining the minimal viable product that um, meet the initial budget constraints also um, a possibility for company of any size. Yep, that's okay. true. So, so I have um, I have a question. It's kind of a two ways maybe of asking the same type of question. But so on one hand, I was going to ask. Um, Igor and Boris, what kind of requests are you getting from your customers specifically in terms of, you know, making software more customized? You know, we can go to get into some automotive examples, but what are what kind of requests are you getting from customers? And then the other question that sort of relates to that is the customers are are saying, listen, I want to start addressing some of these technology trends and help me figure out where to start, right? Do I start with this process? Do I start with one thing at a time? So I don't know if those questions are one and the same or just related, but, you know. Yeah, they're very, very much related. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, Boris, let me start and you may join in any time. But uh, I think requests from the customers are pretty diverse, but I would summarize it to big groups. Uh, and one important group is everybody is afraid, quote unquote, of new technologies and uh, <laughs> don't want to be left in the dark. And so right. they, are, as you suggested, asking us, how do we take advantage of new technologies? Where can we use them? Or here's what we have a problem is what technology would you recommend to solve it? And either we tried to solve it 10 years ago, it was too expensive. Is is this better now? Uh, do we have better chances of resolving these issues. On from another hand, 
a lot of uh, customers are complaining about quote-unquote difficulty to use of modern industrial uh, applications and I mean it's a pretty common cry right to make industrial software more user-friendly more interoperable more kind of uh, easily connected to other things uh, because in a modern enterprise especially with mergers and acquisitions and uh, realization that not, not any software fits all the needs the diversity of software products on the so to speak shopping floor on the manufacturing floor is enormous so people want all the pieces to talk with each other and data flowing freely and the, another kind of uh, dimension is people want software to be delivered fast uh, the world is changing fast and kind of project that takes three years to implement and uh, to to develop and then implement may miss the mark on the first year so to speak because everything is changing so that's my take on the major driver forces and requirements from the customers but Boris you may jump in and I, I don't have much to add other than to say that all those items you mentioned, um, they're all in the realm of things that customer asking, basically all of the above, as they say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and Dave, what about you on your end? What, what kinds of things are you hearing? Well, we're hearing the same things. I mean, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, I, I guess it's an advantage, but you know, for, for the three of us uh, that are on the call today, the time that we've been able to watch some of these things unfold has been pretty interesting. And so uh, an effect you see a lot of now is the younger people that are coming into the industry have different expectations about what a good experience is with software, which is exactly mm -hmm. what uh, Igor was talking about. And so that that is, you know, a uh, a, a dynamic that manufacturing is not accustomed to, you know, of, of changes that that experience has to be, you know, a richer experience. Uh, and for us, it, it opens the door for more use of the components. You know, it, it, uh, uh, if, if you can take an application that has a really poor experience and improve it substantially by, for instance, making it possible to navigate complex data by just looking at an object and manipulating that object on a screen, you've done quite a bit to provide that better experience. And so, uh, you know, for us, it's a good development. It's just, it's just manufacturing is now being driven by, oh gosh, the, the Facebook generation, I guess, if you want to call it. That. <laughs> right. 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 But I, I would just add that uh, a component technology actually plays a big role in moving in the right direction because it saves time on the complex issues that are already taken care of and provides more opportunity of putting a nice interface, uh, yeah. responsive and agile interface in front of it. So people have a better experience with the technology, the complex technology underneath. Because yeah. in, in the past, uh, a lot of efforts were devoted to solving complex geomet geometric problems and UI, user experience and user interface became afterthought. So it's no longer the case. People demand a good quote unquote interface, uh, mm -hmm. basically mm -hmm. Facebook like Apple like interface and still that still helps them accomplish the com as complex issue uh, tasks that as people before them would like to accomplish. Just wanted to say we're not sponsored by Apple. 
Yes. That's a good disclaimer. <laughs> Eager mentioned something too about uh, people expecting data to f uh, flow freely. I mean, that's another place where you know the modern use of technology, mobile devices, different web services. You know, there's relatively little appreciation for the fact that you know uh, data should should flow that freely in manufacturing too. And that's a big challenge if we can use the component technology to facilitate that interoperability that he's referring to, you know, that's that's another place where we can impact what that experience is. You know, the data can just move between applications, you know, freely without any concern over its integrity. And that's that's a big deal as well. So mm -hmm. and the the better experience has a trickle down effect into communication throughout a larger team, right? where somebody who's maybe not technical but is still on the development team um, now can better understand whether it's the design intent or the part you're talking about or something like that, right? So uh, yeah. maybe it's develop, a very yeah. good point and I, I actually missed it, but you're you are right on track. A lot of traditional engineering applications are migrating to sales and uh, marketing to presentation and so on and so forth. Uh, the huge demand for, for example, online configurators where people should be able to pre-select and configure uh, what they are buying, for example, lighting fixture, and see exactly in 3D how it would look like, and see mm -hmm. it in almost photorealistic view of what they are buying. Again, it's a bit driven by Amazon and what you can do on kind of mass massively available resources like Amazon and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, 3D uh, proliferating into the fashion design and so on and so forth. Right. But even, yes, with massive resources, anything is possible. But uh, I think, as Dave mentioned earlier, there's so many technologies out there now that are making, whether it's turning something 3D or uh, putting something on the web, I mean, all of this is becoming so much more accessible, right? So even yep. even the small guys or startups can can do this. So Yep. Well we are we are coming up on our time and so we'll just ask you one one final thought, Igor and Boris, which is if you had one piece of advice you'd offer to our listeners or a call to action, um, what would that be? I think uh, in our time uh, with availability of technologies and availability of software, I think everybody should be open to innovate. And even if you didn't do it before, you never had experience with, it should not be a showstopper. Uh, I mean, <laughs> a bit self-surfing mm -hmm. people like us or TechSoft or anybody else with a good components and good skills could help you out. You should concentrate on your core technology and be open to innovation and new technologies. I guess Igor, Igor was saying that if 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 company doesn't have um, required resources in house, it's not uh, it's not a reason not to innovate because there are technology component technologies and consulting companies with required expertise who could help. Of course, there is traditional route to uh, build technologies in-house, but uh, with the uh, modern time and age uh, when uh, the speed, as we, as we spoke earlier, is so fast, uh, the time to market is essential. And that's where 
components with expert implementation resource, I think is a solution. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's, uh, that's excellent advice. In fact, the, the saying, I hope it's not too harsh, but the saying innovate or die comes to mind uh, when you were talking about that. But it does make me think of one more question that it's kind of a surprise question. It wasn't one that I had posed to, to you folks uh, before the call, but it hopefully won't be too difficult. With, you know, so let's say a company is just saying, okay, fine, I understand I have to start looking at these tech trends and figure out what I have to do. If out of all the things, cloud, mobile, IoT, 3D printing, AR, VR, like all these tech trends that are swimming around, what would be your advice on start here? If, I, if you had to pick one, start here. And then that can you know, help you test the waters and start to innovate and, and develop things. So I'll ask all three of you. So Igor, you go first. Uh, well, my take would be start with your business problem. Start with your business okay. problem, what you try to achieve, and then ask experts to help with the selection of the technology. Don't start with the technology. I don't think it's the right approach. That, but it's okay. my, that's my fair. View. That's fair. Uh, I had a similar answer, maybe with a bit different spin. Um, talk to your users or talk to your prospective users. So uh, you you need to solve their problem with your solution to understand what they need. I guess that's what okay. government understand your business problem. Right. The, the beauty of the our, our time that availability of technologies would definitely help you in solving the problem. But don't start with the technology. That's my. But then, opinion. but then come to us and we'll help you to figure out how. To <laughs> right. Well, we will be including your website in our show notes. So if anybody wants to to, to reach yes, out to you, please. they'll know exactly where to find you. <laughs> and uh, Dave, what about you? Well, I think that's extremely sage advice, and people too often do start with the technology. And I think that uh, what can be an important part of that conversation is, uh, I mean, one of the things that, that we have is TechSoft that AMC Bridge has uh, with the services that they provide is you, you, you have this uh, breadth of experience of seeing other people trying to accomplish something probably similar. Uh, and so there's a wealth of experience that can be brought to bear on helping understand, you know, what that business problem really is. Uh, you know, we shouldn't be just thought of as people that are wise about technology. We've also seen a lot of business problems and some more successful than others when they're when they're being tackled. And I think so, you know, being open to that conversation with companies like uh, both of ours, I think, can help make that a much better outcome when you when you do start to identify what problem it is you're trying to solve and for who you're trying to solve it. Yeah, I would have to agree. Very sage advice. And so hopefully our listeners will take that to heart. And um, and that wraps up our show for today. So again, Igor and Boris, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. No, it's great. And uh, Dave, thanks as always. It's a pleasure. Always. And thanks, everybody out there who was listening today to another episode. If this was your first or second episode and you're still debating whether or not to subscribe, hit that subscribe button. Tell your friends and family and colleagues about it. 
you can subscribe on SoundCloud. You can also subscribe on iTunes. Please leave us a review on iTunes. That would uh, We would greatly appreciate that as well. And if you have some questions for us or suggestions for topics or, or guests, uh, you can reach us through our website at techsoft3d.com. And with that, until next time, thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on the Beyond 3D podcast, hosted by TechSoft3D. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review, or subscribe on SoundCloud. To listen to past episodes or learn more about TechSoft3D, visit www.techsoft3d.com forward slash blog. Send us comments and suggestions at info at techsoft3d.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next episode of Beyond 3D. Thank you.